Have you ever wondered about the childhood of Jesus? Have you ever wondered what kind of boy he was and how he functioned? <clears throat> there are several infancy gospels that were written soon after the time of the New Testament and uh, two of them are the infancy gospels of James and Thomas and the following are from the gospel of Thomas the infancy gospel of Thomas uh, Jesus once took some mud from a stream and made 12 birds and they flew. He was playing on a flat roof one day with some friends and one of the boys fell over off the roof and died. Well, the other boys left, but Jesus remained and when the dead boy's father came, he accused Jesus, and Jesus raised the boy from the dead to testify on his behalf. Another time, he was working in the shop with his father, and they were making a bed, and one of the side rails came out too short. And Jesus said, lay it beside the long one. And Joseph did, and Jesus stretched it. And then the last story in the infancy gospel of Thomas is an occasion when Jesus, as a boy of 12, visited the temple in Jerusalem and astounded those who were there with his wisdom. It turns out that one was true. Uh, the others, the New Testament picture that they give of Jesus doesn't quite jibe with these other stories, but that particular one turns out to be true. The biblical record gives a different picture than these other non-biblical gospels. <clears throat> the only story we have of Jesus' childhood is this. I mean, other than his babyhood. Uh, he, Luke tells the story of his birth and he tells the story of his dedication at the temple and then he says and the child grew and then he comes to this story and I would like to read it with you from Luke chapter 2 verse 40 <clears throat> and if you have your Bible you're welcome to, to uh, open it there of course and then I'll talk a little bit about what happened. The child grew, Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because this is a narrative story, and the New Living Translation is kind of smoother uh, than, than the others. Verse 43, after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because he, they assumed he was 
<coughs> among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to, their, to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. That's the story. That's the, the only story we have of Jesus' boyhood. What can we learn from it? Well, let's, let's go through it and, and, and sort of break it out a little bit. Verses 41 and 42. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. <clears throat> Jews were required to go to Jerusalem. Technically, they were required to go for three feasts a year, but typically they went for one, the Passover. And the Passover festival lasted for seven days, and often pe some people went for seven days and some went for two days, uh, feeling that that met the requirement. And so this was a, an occasion when people left their jobs, went to Jerusalem, participated in the Passover festival, and went home again. Now, what was it like? I, 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 I want to show you some pictures. Here's the temple. And some of the pictures that I'm going to show you are indeed modern pictures, but then I'm not going to apologize for that because when Jesus went into Jerusalem, he saw a modern Jerusalem. That was modern to him, right? Well, maybe we get the same feeling as he did uh, with our modern Jerusalem. So there's the temple, and there is a little bit what it may look like nowadays, all right? Quite different. The streets were narrow. Uh, when they went, of course, the city would be crowded or it would become crowded and there would be people through these streets. And I'll show you that in a moment. But the streets, some of the streets were, were relatively narrow. <clears throat> the people were, would crowd into the streets and into the, the plaza and there would be lots of people and lots of excitement. That's the kind of image, I think, that Jesus would get, except in first century terms. That he would, he would see the crowds of people coming for the festival, and everything would be pretty exciting. Verses 33 and 34. After the celebration was over, 
He didn't say much, didn't say anything about the celebration. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up at that evening, they, they, they stopped to sleep for the night, uh, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. Now, it's likely, and, I, and I, this is quite plausible, those who say that typically the women would travel as a group. There would be the women from Nazareth and the region. They would travel as a group, and then the men would travel as a group because women and men don't talk about the same things, right? So, and the kids would be with, some, some, with one of the groups. The kids would be with one of the crowds. So, <clears throat> At age 12, Jesus could have been with them. He could have been with them. Nobody was concerned. Until bedtime. They're going to bunk down for the night, and they're going to sleep as a family together. Obviously, they want to look after the kids at bedtime. And so, well, Jesus is missing. Verse 48. His parents didn't know what to think. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm ahead of, ahead of myself. Verse 45. <clears throat> when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. So they had traveled out for one day. Bedtime, they discovered he's missing. They traveled back another day, and then they spent the third day looking for him. So three days later, they come across Jesus. <clears throat> they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. It was customary, apparently, for the teachers, for the lawyers to have discussions after the festival. And so... They had apparently stayed to the end of the festival, and, and these guys were having their discussions in the temple, and Jesus was with them having these discussions. And it was quite proper for a boy who was learning to ask and answer questions. That they, they dialogued. It wasn't so much lecturing as dialoguing. So here's, what, here's, what they, here, here's how Luke describes the reaction of the teachers. They were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Right? He, what he said to them was quite amazing. And then, apparently, his parents did not understand. His parents didn't understand this. Why? Because he seemed like just a normal boy. They didn't think of him as the Messiah. They didn't think of him as the Lord. They thought of him as their son. And they had become used to him as their son, and therefore they were quite taken aback by this display of wisdom that Jesus was giving at the temple. Now watch, watch this. <clears throat> His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? 
your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. William Barclay, the commentator, has a rather uh, piercing comment on this. Here's what he says. See how gently, but with, excuse me, see how gently, but very definitely, Jesus takes the name Father from Joseph and gives it to God. Your father and I have been looking for you, says Mary. And he said, didn't you know I needed to be in my father's house? I, we'll explore this a little bit, but that's a remarkable transition, I think. And I think that's something we need to pay attention to. Verse 49. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. All right, now, kids. <clears throat> you hear that? I had to be in my father's house. This is the son of God. He was always the son of God and the son of man since his birth, right? When did he come to recognize that? Is this what we're looking at now? I'll get back to that. I want to speak to the kids first. Here is the son of God, the creator of the world, the Lord of the universe. And he went down to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them. I don't want to lay anything on you that your parents haven't already laid on you, but that's what he did. He, the creator of all things, went back to Nazareth and obeyed his parents. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? That, 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 that part of his humiliation when he came to earth for us, for our salvation, part of his humiliation was to make himself as a child subject to his parents. I think that's, that's a, a, a beautiful, a beautiful thought. Now, our story is bracketed by two statements. Verses 40 and 52. There the child grew, this is uh, Mary and Joseph in Nazareth after his dedication at the temple. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. That's how the story begins. Here's how it ends. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, that, that's not a unique statement. That statement was also made of Jeremiah and it was made of, excuse me, of, of Samuel. And it was made also of John the Baptist. So it's, it's, not a, it's not a particularly unique statement. But it is a statement that Jesus grew up and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus was, from his birth, this, excuse me, he, before his birth, the son of God, and from his birth, the son of man, a, a, a human boy. <clears throat> and he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God 
and man. When did he come to know that he was, when did he realize as a boy? I, the baby in the manger didn't know he was the son of God. When did Jesus come to know, come to recognize, come to realize that he was the son of God? I kind of suspect that this story that we have read is the occasion when Jesus began to have the kind of insight that, that, that told him so that he could say, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? May I paraphrase that? You come back looking for me and you're all worried about me. Why didn't you come here to the, my father's house? Why didn't you expect to see me here? It was a question about where he was. And he answers, I had to be in my father's house. And Jesus reveals to his parents, they didn't get it, reveals to his parents at that point in a new way that God was his father. They didn't quite pick up on it. They, 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 they were still puzzled. They were still puzzled. And he grew in wisdom. Now, I, I want to I pause for a minute. Just, it, it won't take long. There are some statements in the New Testament that point to omniscience, the omniscience of Jesus. There are some statements that point to eh, something else, limited knowledge. And for example, omniscience. In John chapter 4, he's speaking to the Samaritan woman, and he said, you've had five husbands. Where did he get that knowledge? It sounds like he's omniscient. John chapter 6, he predicts that Judas will betray him. And in John chapter 13, he predicts that Peter will deny him. Where does he get that knowledge? And in Matthew chapter 12, he knew the Pharisees' thoughts. Now that could have been, I know that could have been discernment, but he knew the Pharisees. But th th there are statements like that which seem to point toward omniscience on the part of Jesus. There are other statements though that point to limited knowledge. For example, here we're told Jesus grew in wisdom. It, it, it would be ludicrous to think that as a baby, he had all wisdom. That, that's just not. Aristotle said, there are different kinds of perfection. A rose has one kind of perfection and a baby has a different kind of perfection, and they're not the same thing. And a perfect baby has certain limitations. All right. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus said he didn't know the time of the second coming. Limited knowledge. In Mark chapter 6, he was amazed at the people's lack of faith. Really? And in Acts chapter 10, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Well, if he needed to be anointed with power by the Holy Spirit, he must have had limited power. 
in the first place, see? So th th there are statements on one side and the other. There are statements that, that seem to indicate that he was omniscient and other statements that seem to indicate limitations. Probably the most, uh, years ago I came across a statement by, do uh, young people know what a concordance is? Uh, do we still use concordances? The, um, Augustus Hopkins Strong wrote Strong's Concordance. Bless his heart, I mean, it's about that thick. And uh, here's what he said. He also wrote a theology, and here's what he said about this issue. Jesus laid aside the independent exercise of his divine attributes. He laid aside the independent exercise of his omniscience, of his all-consuming love, of his great power. He laid that aside when he became a man as part of his humiliation. That, to me, is, ha, has always stood as the best explanation of what we're dealing with here. It doesn't explain the contrast between these statements about omniscience and limited knowledge, but it, it, uh, help, it takes me partway there and helps to comfort my heart as I wait for the answer, which we'll get someday. Now, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that contrast? Well, you can say, well, I believe that Jesus was omniscient, and then you explain away the other texts. Or you can say, I believe that Jesus had limited knowledge, and you explain away the other texts. You can do that. Or you can do what a lot of people do with, for example, divine election and human choice in salvation, and say, I hold these two in biblical tension and say they're both taught by the scriptures and therefore I hold them to be, even though I don't understand how they can be, both be true, I, I, I hold that the Bible is true and I therefore accept both these statements. Whatever you do with that, but uh, enough theology, that's too much theology. <clears throat> Let's go back to the story. I wanna talk about Jesus' life uh, as a boy in the village at Nazareth. The village probably had less than 500 people. So we're talking, we don't, we, we don't use the word village, do we, in America? Everything's a city. Doesn't matter how small it is, it's a city. Uh, we used to have village, uh, cities and towns and villages, and you could pretty well discern which was which. So he's living in, in, in this little village of less than 500 people, and it's possible there's a communal oven or a couple of communal ovens, and his mother takes her turn at baking the bread for the other villagers from time to time, and the kids are playing in the marketplace and in the fields, and the hot sun shining down on the dusty roads, and he sees the cattle in the fields and the crops, and he sees all that around him. Growing up in a little, that's, that's an amazing benefit uh, to grow up in a little village. In his home, he had his brothers and sisters to play with. And he attended synagogue with the family. And at the Sabbath meals, 
his mother would light the candles and say the blessing, and his father would pray over the wine. And the Old Testament traditions would infuse every detail of life. And he would hear the Old Testament in the synagogue. They spoke Aramaic at home, but he learned Hebrew in the synagogue school when they were reading the Old Testament. At what point did he read the Old Testament differently? At what point did he see in it these images of himself? There was a mezuzah fastened on the doorpost, a little box with the texts inside, and the people would either kiss it or touch it and kiss their fingers when they went through the door. Did Mary hold Jesus up as a baby so that he could kiss the mezuzah? Or touch it. And his parents didn't see these miraculous stories that I mentioned at the beginning. Those are, those are rather foreign to the spirit of the New Testament. And so they were worried and surprised when they found him at the temple. <clears throat> Jesus' mother would watch him as he went off to school. And when he came back, either to the house or to the carpenter shop, Joseph would say, hi, Jesus, how was your day? I've got those wheels ready for your wagon, and I want you to come and help me hang Reb Zacchaeus' door. See? It, it, it was village life and life in the carpenter shop. They would tell stories in the evening from the Old Testament, and they would go to weddings and funerals, and he would go to school at five or six years old, and until the age of 10, he would be in elementary school and he'd be learned. There are some who say that they began their studies with the book of Leviticus. I, that seems uh, like a rather tall order. Um, but he studied the Old Testament. They went to middle school and they studied the oral tradition of the rabbis, what the rabbis said about the, about the law. And then in high school, they had theological discussions of the commentaries. And how far a child went in school depended on his ability and on the need at home. And possibly, I don't know, when, we don't know when Jesus was taken out of school to run the carpenter shop because Joseph had, I mean, we sort of gather from the New Testament that Joseph passed at some point. And Jesus, as the oldest son, would be responsible for the shop, I, I think. He would go to synagogue and he would hear the prayers and he would hear about taking the yoke of the commandments. And they would translate a section of the Pentateuch and a section of the prophets and then there would be a sermon. What did he think of the suffering servant? When did it dawn on him that he was to be the suffering servant? The temple had been deserted 600 years before. God had withdrawn his presence from the temple 600 years ago. And Jesus now, as a 12-year-old boy, comes into the temple with no presence of God. And he himself gave it the presence of God. What did he think? What did he think about that? He had left the temple as the one inhabiting the holy place, the most holy place. And now he comes in with the worshipers. 
All right, our time is gone. Let me, let me make a few points in closing. There's a puzzling side to this story. Did Jesus disrespect his parents by staying in Jerusalem and not going home with them? That's kind of a puzzling question, isn't it? Was he being disrespectful was, or was he so absorbed by the discussion of the rabbis at the temple that he just lost all track of time? That's a perfectly normal boyish thing that would happen, right? Was his true nature dawning on him? Or was this incident intended to show us, to dramatize his true nature as the son of God and the son of man? It illustrates his growth in wisdom. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And the story is bracketed by these statements that we have read. He grew in wisdom. And then finally this point. We have worshipped the Christ child at Christmas not long ago. We worship the Lord and Savior at Calvary. We worship the Lord of heaven and earth in the glory. But we can also worship the boy, Jesus. That's part of his divine humanity. The earth was created for him. Remember that? The earth was created as a gift for him. And he came as a baby. And he grew into a boy, and he became our Savior. What an amazing Lord. Praise his name.